Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener. This is your host, Ken Lane. We're here every week talking about the landscape, the gardening of northern Arizona, high altitude. It's different here. It's different than anywhere else you've tried to garden in the country. So here you need to, there's less slop factor, I like to think of it. So other areas like the south, I mean, I could throw this microphone out on the ground and it would start to grow. I mean, it might might grow kutsu or some other weird funky vine, but it's going to grow. I could throw my hat down on the ground in California, Northern Cal especially, and it would just take off with new growth. Uh, so, so you don't have to be as much of a gardener. You have to have a sort of a vision and a good lawnmower. That's mostly other parts of the country. Here, you've got to be more deliberate with your design because we don't have as much green. There's more browns. There's more rock outcrops. There's more rock lawns. We don't have a lot of grass or turf. There's some, but compared to other parts of the country, there's virtually, I mean, just there's a postage stamp. There's not a whole front yard. And so now your design, if you're not careful, if you take your beige house with your beige shutters and your beige shingles, you put a beige rock and you get your your beige lawn, rock lawn, and it can look too, too brown. You need to balance it out. So you need to be more methodical. Get that balance right of your evergreens. Get more flowering things because it's like a little oasis. When done well, a great garden design can actually bring out the color, can draw people in like an oasis in the deserts. That, that's what a great mountain landscape can do for you. And now is when it really plays out. We've, we've our, the very last tree to turn red. So there's, there's a couple of them. Right now, the ash trees are purple and they're red. So there's ash turns anywhere from anywhere. Gold, Arizona ash is a gold. It's already done, has no foliage on it. The aspens, they're all done. They're pretty much turned and they're, they're just bare. They got the nice white bark, but they're no foliage. But the raywood ash has some foliage on it yet. The um, Bradford pears are ornamental pears. These are flowering pears. They don't actually fruit, but they have this white flower in the spring and this great fall color now. So to hold this foliage till how about Thanksgiving, 1st of December, and then it will lose its leaves. And it's got this pretty gray, very light color, not white, but very light gray colored bark. It's very pretty. Uh, that's one of the last ones to turn. Uh, another one, um, a, a sweet gum. Sweet gum is starting to turn right now. So it's, it's got a bright orange or red color. Sweet gum looks like a maple leaf. So the, the red maples are pretty much done. So your acerebrums, your blaze maples, the celebrations, all this variety of red maples are pretty much done. The sweet gums are a liquid amber. And so this is a little bit different variety. It, it starts to show its color just after the maples do. It's just got this beautiful orange and red color. Uh, tall, but not very wide. So maybe 30 feet tall by uh, no more than 10 feet wide, eight, 10 feet wide. Nice, nice columnar shape to it. That's showing off right now. And then it will be down to your evergreens. This is when your spruce and your pine, and your firs uh, really take center stage. Something I might suggest, I've got a lot of customers coming in going, uh, my my fall colors weren't as bright as my neighbors, aren't, weren't as bright as I remember them. 
If your colors on your trees are more muted, let's say your neighbor's Bradford pear is a bright red. I mean, just rich, like fire engine red. I mean, it is red. And yours is more orangey to yellow. That's going to be because of the chemistry of the soil. Your soil pH has crept up too high, and it causes the the colors in the leaves to mutate, to to fade. And so if that uh, beautiful, you know, if your aspens just, they went from gold to brown like that, your sycamores, your They just aren't as bright as you really want them to be. If you were to add some soil sulfur, that's what really brings the color out. This would be important to set the stage for next spring. So right now, you want to fertilize with the 744 all-purpose plant food. It's got some sulfur in it. Sulfur lowers your pH. It's got cottonseed meal. Cottonseed meal is very acidic, so it's lowering the pH for you. So we're trying to correct, make you want to make your soil in the mountains of Arizona more acidic. You never do what HGTV or Fine Garden Magazine or what the, the Midwest East Coast folks tell you to do. They're telling you to add lime. Lime will sweeten the soil. Oh, add lime. It'll bring the color out. Oh, it'll make everything better. Never do that here. You'll kill your I – mean, you'll kill plants. I mean, this is School of Hard Knocks. I mean, hi, my name's Ken. We're just friends, and I've killed plants by using lime on it. Uh, just or or wood ash. The other one is I've killed plants by putting wood ash. So that uh, barbecue or, or uh, you, you, the wood ash out of your fireplace. Don't put that around your trees. You do that other parts of the country. You do not do that here. Don't interject that into your vegetable gardens unless your tests tell you to do that. And I'm telling you, you can kill things with that. Our water is extremely high in pH. And every mountaintop, you you look out, just look out your window. If you see a mountain peak, it's almost assuredly a volcano core. So lots of volcanic ash naturally showing up. We have so much ash in our soil already, which is what's causing the water to go alkaline. If you were to add more ash or you just downright skip the ash, go right to lime, you raise that pH, you can, you can raise it to where nothing will live in that soil for quite a while. It's a big mistake when you make that mistake. It's a year commitment. The only way to get around it is just wait it out for a couple of years or replace the soil. Get rid of that ash or that lime. We want to do just the opposite here. We want to add soil sulfur. Anytime we add a fertilizer, we don't want we don't want a national brand fertilizer. We want one that's made for the Southwest where it's got sulfur added to it, not lime. Your Scots and your national brands, they're they're making fertilizers, not for us. They're making it for where the body count is. There's more bodies showing up from from you know Richmond, DC, all the way north to Boston, over to Chicago. That's where most of the humanity lives, and that's where most of the buyers are. It's where most of the gardens are. So they're they're making formulas for there. It's recipes. You want a recipe that's put together for for here. And so sulfur is what you add. A little iron is what you add to that. And hopefully it's a slow release organic because we're all drinking groundwater. Uh, I mean, even if you don't have a well in your house, you're, the, the city that's providing your water has gotten it from a well someplace, at least in the mountains of Arizona. So you want to make sure we're not polluting ourselves or poisoning ourselves. A whole bunch of chemical fertilizers get washed down and get in the water table. But I preach too much. Sorry, I won't. I won't get on that. I, I can go. All, I've got classes where I go off on an hour just telling what pH and soil, how to fertilize, and if that's of interest, 
Come in. I'll give you the handout. It's free. It's one page. It's a four steps to feeding your landscape. It's what it's called. It'll tell you exactly what to do when. But the main point is if the colors haven't quite been right in your yard, they look a little off. It's it's always a nutrient thing. It's it's a it's a chemistry pH thing. If your evergreens are dropping a bunch of needles, especially on the inside, we need to fertilize those so we can grow our way out of that. Once an evergreen, a pine, a spruce, a juniper drops its needles, it never grows back on that section. The only way to correct that is to push new growth out from the outside of that tip of the outside branches, push elongate new growth. And so it hides the inside of that evergreen pine, spruce, fir, cypress, cedar, all of those kinds of plants, the needly type of conifers. Uh, once they drop their needles, they will never form needles on that branch again in that section. They can further out. Hopefully I'm describing that correctly. Oh, it's kind of difficult to describe <laughs> encyclopedic uh, uh, knowledge over the airwaves. But come, come with us, come a sample. Bring a sample. We can tell you what's going on. That's the other one with your with your blue spruce or your blue junipers or your the colors, the plants that are blue color, you know, the Arizona blues. If they seem to be turning more green, you fertilize it with the all-purpose plant food, but then you also add aluminum sulfate. Sulfate sulfates lowers a pH, it makes it more acidic. Evergreens love more acidic soil. But then the aluminum gets picked up by the plant. And then it starts to secrete this on the on that new growth, and it just makes that plant glow. I mean, it just makes it really rich blue. So if that Colorado blue spruce you planted three years ago, you remember it being really blue, and all of a sudden it's not quite so pretty, well, add some all-purpose plant food, that's 744, and some aluminum sulfate. And you're setting the stage for next spring's growth that will wow. I mean, just your neighbor's going to go, whoa. How'd you do that? Can, give me the insider tip. Well, I tuned into Ken's radio show. He told me to put uh, aluminum sulfate on it. Made all the difference. That's the insider tip. Be right back. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Waters Garden Companion Plants for November are Flowering Pear, English Ivy, Camellias, and Vanderwolf Pine. Vanderwolf is related to Arizona pines with fluffy foliage. It's remarkably resilient in dry Arizona soils. Makes a graceful specimen in yards or expansive estate landscapes. This distinctive pine long, twisted, silver-blue needles covering the dense branches. Carefree and easy to grow. Shop by store or online at watersgardencenter.com. I used to be cocky and actually dared to beat the big boxes at their own game. Since the beginning, we were known for the very best plants in town. But with youthful ambition, we added a line of inferior plants, contractor grade, that matched the box stores and beat their prices. We failed miserably. The plants were side by side. Waters hand-picked quality at the higher price and the inferior plants at the lower price with astounding results. The inferior plants, not bad quality, just not full and nice, were still there a month later. The hand-picked quality plants, they had been restocked twice and the bench was empty again. The youthful cockiness, it's tempered and with age comes wisdom and knowing who you really are. Waters Garden Center doesn't compete with the marts and the boxes. We simply grow the very best plants our family is famous for. 
We will never offer inferior plants. Cross my heart. Pinky Swear, Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road, here in Prescott. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. All right, so Ken and Lisa Lane, the Mountain Gardeners. In this segment, Lisa just brings garden questions. What's What are your neighbors talking about that maybe we can share that would help you in your own backyard as well? So welcome to the studio, Lisa. Thank you. You're looking fabulous, my dear. Fabulous. <laughs> and you look fall ready. I can see myself oh, on yeah. the camera and I can tell you. <laughs> the great thing about audio, the, the terrestrial towers, they can't, all they hear are the voices, but we're, we're starting to do this by video as well mm-hmm. for vlogging or whatever. And right. you you do have to watch what you <laughs> how you look more often. <laughs> Allergies still bothering you? They are. Going crazy. I get a little it's, tinge too. I think it's yeah. the wind or the dust or... Mold? I have no idea. It's something fall is yeah. in the air. Yeah. But uh, suck on a little bit of coffee, hot tea, and it kind of helps. I've never had allergies. I've lived here my entire life. Never had allergies till what, about two years ago? Yep. Till COVID. Soon. It's COVID's <laughs> fault. Everything is COVID's fault. I always tell people, I don't have COVID. I promise. It's just allergies. because I feel fine. Nothing's yep. wrong. But yeah, my voice and a cough. Or... Well, you look fine. Well, <laughs> Okay. To this old guy. <laughs> this is the man who's going blind and wears one contact. <laughs> okay. So anyway, customer, we've had a couple customers in this week and they're going, no, we, I really enjoy listening to you all, but oh, yeah. you laugh so much that it's hard to follow what you're saying sometimes. So uh, clean it up. <laughs> no, they Sorry. were very kind. Yeah. So we're just having too much fun mm-hmm. on the airwaves. We Pretty get a little much. carried away sometimes. Sometimes. It's better to have fun and oh yeah. And mis- be misunderstood than to not have fun <laughs> and be be understood. Yeah. We don't want to be deep and profound. I think I think Ben Franklin said oh, sure. that. Sounds like or Mark Twain. <laughs> you put you put their names on either on any statement. It sounds good no matter yeah, what. Yeah, it's an affirmation, yeah. So garden questions, yeah. what are we talking about? Well, so Mark really wants to put a Vanderwolf pine in Love his it. yard. That's great. And he was told, be careful, watch for drainage. They're very sensitive to that. Yeah. So he did a test hole. It took 48 hours for the water to drain oh out gosh. of there. Okay. Wants to know, hmm, what do you think? Should I do it? Should I yeah. not? Find another spot. Yeah. So Vanderwolf pines are, so, so pines, pines do really well in Northern Arizona. And then most of the listeners here are tuning in from Northern Arizona. Um, they do not, I mean, they adapt well because it's dry, it's arid, it's bright, it's high altitude, extreme temperature swings, everything that pine trees love. We have it here except for soils that don't drain. And so if it drained within, I was hoping for 12 hours, they go, yeah, go fine. You're fine. Don't worry about it. You're overthinking this. Two days to get the water out of the hole. That's a lot, especially in in the monsoon patterns. There's two times when we get real wet here. March, the first part of April, you get these real heavy, wet snows that take weeks to to melt and Mm -hmm. disappear. You see damage on evergreens then. And the monsoons, August, September, lots of rain uh, consistently, multiple times a week where the whole, you know, you'll get rain more than every two days. And so the plant never gets a chance to breathe. Mm -hmm. Pines don't like that. 
what can you do for this hole? So, so it was Mark, right? Mark, don't plant a Vanderwolf pine in that <laughs> hole as it is. Change it up. Now, what we do is what we, we create in the industry, we call it a chimney. Mm-hmm. We'll take a piece of that hole and we'll try to dig it to the next soil band, the next layer of, of earth. Mm-hmm. And you'll see when you're driving down the road, you'll see <clears> these <throat> big earth cuts and you'll see different bands, different right. layers of, of soils. Well, you've got that in your yard too. You just want to try to dig down to the next layer and all of a sudden the plant will start draining. You can take a digging bar, a jackhammer, just just a shovel and try to dig out a peck out a piece. When you see the soil texture change, test it again. My guess is it will now now breathe, will drain. Plant your hole then. The other tip I can give you, and this is what what I learned years ago, plant on a slight mound. Mm -hmm. So leave, don't Mm -hmm. plant... Whatever you do, don't plant in a divot, no matter yeah. where you're talking about in northern Arizona. Don't 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 put it in a in a hole. That's what they do down in Phoenix, where it's 110 degrees out in June and it's midnight. It's just hot. <laughs> so here we 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 cool down. And so mm-hmm. plants and we get more, much more moisture. So you want the plant, the top of the root ball to be at soil level or even a little above, then mound that soil out. To be above would be critical for this Vanderwolf, or pretty much any evergreen. No evergreen likes soggy, wet soil. And so to leave two, three, four inches of the root ball out of the ground and then take some of this extra mulch, extra soil, topsoil, and then mound some dirt up. So so when you finish, I don't see exposed root, but I see a slight mound. It's tapered, so it's hardly, no one will see it except maybe you, the, the, the gardener. And then put your irrigation on top of that mound. Put your put your water basin around that at the outside edge. And that will guarantee that at least three, four inches of the root ball can breathe. Mm-hmm. That's a game changer. Your mortality rate will drop dramatically mm-hmm. just with that technique. Uh, but but the way it currently is, what the question was posed, took two days for, for my soil. To, should I plant it there? The question is, the answer is no. no. Unless you modify the hole or change it, or raise bed, or another part of the yard. Uh, so just, they're so sensitive to, to yeah. which makes them drought hardy. They're <laughs> right. tough. They go through drought and hot and heat, low water. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of things going for them, but soggy soil ain't one of them. Right. So beware with that one. All right. Next question is from Don. He says, I think I heard you say to prune lilacs, not to prune lilacs this time of year. Okay. He said, if that's true, my maintenance man didn't get the same information. (laughs) (laughs) He wants to know, is there anything he can do at this point or is the year... So have your wife go outside. <clears throat> the maintenance guys are out there. Have her have her hold them while you can slap them because they just totally blundered the whole thing. There's no recovery at this point. So that is not going to affect the health right. of the lilac or your spring bloomers. It doesn't affect that at all. It just won't bloom. Yeah. So when they pruned it back this time of year, they cut off the flower bud that's been forming for four or five months. Mm -hmm. Now, is there enough time to possibly have new leaf of flower buds to form? It would be worth a try. I would try it. Or can we bulk up the flower buds that remain? Let's say there were some down towards the heart, the inside of that shrub or off to the sides. Many times they'll cut back the top trying to get it down. And so you'll see these butchered lilacs. They bloom off to the sides and not up to the top. It looks like a Dr. Seuss lilac or something. Mm -hmm. 
but, but what I would do is I would fertilize that with the all-purpose plant food right away, like right now. And then I would get a, a bag of super phosphate specifically for them, mm-hmm. add super phosphate to the fertilizer, super phosphate 0, that middle number forms flowers. And so put that on there, pray for rain and snow through the winter, and you'll find out here next end of March and April right. whether it worked or how much it worked. or if, and, and what that will do is you'll get great foliage and the few flower buds that are there will, will bulk up and you might get some additional flower buds and then train your, your staff next, train your gardener. Don't you prune lilacs in, in April and May. You don't prune them in November. Come on. Probably me. Yeah, that was bad. But maybe you can recover. That's okay. Okay. It'll be beautiful. (laughs) So Barb would like to know, she had a 10 by 10 patch of wildflowers. That was beautiful. Of course, it's kind of reached the end of a season. Yeah. She wants to know if she can just take a weed whacker or a mower and go over that. And if now's the time to do it. Yeah, you can do that right now. It'd be perfectly fine. So for our wildflowers, what we're going to do, so I've got a beautiful patch just outside the studio here. Mm-hmm. It's it's way bigger than 10 by 10. Yeah. And it's fun to look out the studio while I'm writing garden columns and, and watch the birds, butterflies out there. It's just magical. Mm-hmm. Wildflowers do really well here. I'm going to leave that patch um, for the birds as long as I can. Sure. I'll probably leave it out there because the coneflowers, the Mexican hats, mm-hmm. the echinaceas, they're all fabulous and great seed sources for the birds. birds. Um, and then I'll probably go back and just weed whack that or mow it aggressively. Um, probably in January, February, March, sometime when it just looks so ratty and I've got nothing to do and <laughs> I want to go garden and mm-hmm. it's a nice warm day in January. I'll probably take the mower out there and just mow it or weed whack it. Uh, but I'm, I'm thinking of my birds specifically. Good I'll idea. keep it out there for them. Okay. But if you really wanted to, yes, you could do it right now. No problem. Go for it. And so anytime between now and March, we'll be back at your, at your leisure. Okay. Ken Lisa Lane, the Mountain Gardeners. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. the Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Waters Garden companion plants for November are Vanderwolf Pine, Flowering Pear, English Ivy, and Camellias. Ice Angel Camellias produce amazing 3-inch rosy blossoms with petals that radiate out from the center of Camellias deserve front yard status or admired on a patio or deck. Well adapted to acidic soils beneath oaks, native junipers, and maples. Loves shade gardens, containers, and raised beds. Shop in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com. Some stores are meant to dash into, hunt down your purchase, and leave promptly. It's part of our 24-7 cyber world where it's difficult to decompress, slow down, and enjoy the environment. We miss the tactile experiences, fragrance, and enjoyment that come from slowing down and admiring the majesty of something as simple as a butterfly. Waters has elevated lingering to an art form with experiential pauses built into the very DNA of the garden center. We're designed purposefully for leisurely strolls through the many greenhouses that beckon guests to enjoy the plants. We work tirelessly to craft an environment that aesthetically reflects the cycle of the seasons. When you finally have a plant question, one of Water's plant ambassadors are here to help you choose plants that will thrive in your landscape. Decompress and learn how to linger in the garden once again. Here at Water's Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. For people who love to slow down in the garden, they love to shop. 
You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lang. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. Now I, I know we covered this early in the Q&A section, but let me just reiterate, there's too many gardeners coming to me going, oh, my gardens look terrible. What What's wrong? It's it's the normal seasonality. It's things are changing from summer, fall color to winter sticks and twigs, especially things that are uh, leafy, big leaves like maples and grapes and blackberries and uh, roses. They all look a little rough, and so and they'll look rougher as we get to January. They can actually shed. They might have a few leaves on now. They'll have none. By the time we get done, but if you go out and take a close look at those, let's say, crepe myrtles or, or Rose of Sharon's, uh, lilacs, forsythia, you go out and take a close look. They've dropped their leaves. If you look at the branches, you'll see large buds. That is the flower bud or the leaf bud, mainly the flower buds for the spring bloomers uh, that's going to bloom next spring. You really do want to nurture those. You want to take care of them. You want to garden them to health and to blossom. The secret with that is to keep them moist. Don't let your gardener turn off your irrigation and, and expect those kinds of plants to go from now through February with zero moisture and expect to be healthy and thriving. They are not dormant. They, we are not in Wisconsin where, where it freezes and we're sub-zero and it stays that way and nothing grows. Nothing could grow if it wanted to. It just It's locked. It's like permafrost, just freezes in place like flash freeze, freeze-dried. We don't do that here. That's, that's why we live here. It's so nice. Well, the plants keep growing. They keep nurturing. They keep using some moisture, not a lot, but they do use it. And so you want to keep those things watered. After you turn that irrigation system off, water a couple times a month. It doesn't take a lot. Uh, I would say just doesn't take frequency. But when you do water it, give it a good dose. So we, we're saturating the entire root zone. A big mistake I find a lot of folks make. I did, I did quite a bit of planting this week. Uh, over 20 plants, okay, trees, shrubs, lots of hedgerows, flowers, containers, I've done a lot of gardening this week, uh, out, just right here in Prescott, okay? And so when I was digging, each and every hole was bone dry. I mean, it was ridiculous how dry. There was no moisture whatsoever. And so in this part of it had some irrigation to it, but it just hadn't watered long enough. So if you're watering every other day for 10 minutes, 20 minutes with a drip system, I mean, 20 minutes with a drip system is nothing. You might as well not even cycle it on. You're pushing that water now maybe two inches, if that. You're basically spitting on the ground. It doesn't go through the root zone. To to properly use micro-irrigation or drip irrigation, you need to have that system running for hour and a half, two hours, three hours, three hours for, for an irrigation system? Ridiculous. It'll waste too much water. No, no. These are very efficient. I mean, you run the system for an hour out of this emitter and only a gallon's come out. So you have to run. If you're watering it for 10 minutes, that's the, what is that? Not even a pint. That's not even, that's nothing. There's no water on a big tree. Another one I see quite often is uh, your trees were planted five, 10 years ago. 
And now you're watering once a week for 30 minutes, which is, I mean, don't even bother if you're doing that. Uh, but if you are, uh, and now this, this, this tree is grown, and now the drip emitters are still right at the base of that tree, you really do want to take the time, and now's a good time to do this, move those drip emitters out away from the trunk, because the trunk of a tree, there's no there's actually no feeder roots. There's no roots that can take in moisture, food, nutrients on a plant. Those are big anchoring roots. They're like great big trunks or, or branches that go down to the ground. The feeder roots, the fine white hairs that go out, reach out for nutrients and moisture, those are out towards the drip line. So the trunk of the tree and then the outer branch, so think that from the trunk to that outer branch, that's called the drip line. And so you want to be out towards the outer edges of the drip line of that shrub or that tree. That's where all the water should be given. That's where all the food should be given. So when you're, when you're fertilizing your landscape, focus on the outer edge or the outer drip line, not the trunk. The trunk will make no dip. You're wasting your money. Uh, you, you, same with the drip system. You want that moisture to be going out towards the outer drip line, not the base. Now, this is different for a brand new landscape. So it's a five-gallon tree. It's got branches that go out maybe two, three feet on either side. Uh, but, but, but all the roots were at the, in that bucket. Well, the first two years, you focus all the moisture right at where the bucket, where the roots were. As the tree uh, or shrub uh, matures, it sends off root hairs out to the sides. And so then you move it down the road. And later, you know, three, four, five years from now, you move that drip emitter out to the outer edges. I've just seen a lot of instances where plants are under, obviously underwatered. They're dropping their needles. They're showing brown. Uh, typically, overwatering is yellowing, wilting. Underwatering is dry, crusty, crispy. And that's the difference. It's kind of how we tell. So just, just read your landscape and your clock and talk to your gardener and see what's right your landscape. That's my insider tip for this segment. Be right back. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Hi, Lisa with the plants of the week and our instant Raywood ash. Raywoods are known for their handsome fall foliage that turns colors of red to royal purple. Just stunning. The leaves have a fine texture which add a softness to harsh rock yard. At $120, these instant trees are magnificent. 12 feet tall with a 6 foot spread. You won't have to wait for this tree to grow up. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Where people who love instant trees, they love to shop. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. All right, so Ken and Lisa Waters Lane. Lisa was a, was a, is I a, still am. is a Waters, her father <laughs> Started Waters Garden Center back in 1962, and you just grew up here in the garden. It's funny, I, I hear uh, not always men, sometimes just older individuals. They're coming, they're talking to you, and they're well, it's, is there, they're wondering if you know enough. Well, is there someone else that is maybe a man here? <laughs> you see this weird <laughs> cultural thing that happens, and when you, you're talking to a person that's foremost knowledge of the entire probably state, at least for the Central Highlands. 
in those plants. She grew up in the business. And then I see that a little bit with our kids. They were the same. They're in their you know late twenties. They've been in the business since they were, were in diapers. They know more than most gardeners, master gardeners know. Mm-hmm. And they're going, well, you're just too young. <clears throat> Give me someone else. I'm going, oh, <laughs> okay, yeah. whatever makes you comfortable, we're here for you. <laughs> and I would say in addition to that, our staff is very well educated, oh. very knowledgeable. Yeah. Um, we've got two of them that are three, three that are Arizona certified nursery people. Um, which is a huge It's hard to, to get. That's yeah. hard. There's five of us because you and I count oh, too, right. you know. I There's know five of us. <laughs> Most garden centers don't even have one. Right. We got five. <clears throat> this is where you know the Latin name, the the common name, how to design it into a landscape for the proper spacing, how mm-hmm. it's going to grow, how it's going to look one year, five year, ten year. It's intense. The the It's like the bar if you're an attorney. It takes all day to actually mm-hmm. take this test to be approved or not approved. And so it's just, right. yeah, Arizona certified nursery professional. professional. It's pretty intense. Yeah. So we have five on staff yeah. and then just our, our staff is very knowledgeable. We do a lot of training. We do a lot to inform them that, so they can help our customers. And that it's sort of important for people to know. It's not just you and I that have all oh, the no. knowledge. Or no. It's the staff. I mean, I'm the weak know. link in the whole place because I'm running, <laughs> If electricity goes down or attorneys need to or accountants are doing or, or looking at supply chain and talking to vendors and what's going to come down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. I don't know what was delivered yesterday. <laughs> they do. So they're more in tune with the rhythm day to day. I'm more the rhythm of the seasonality of stuff. So anyway, yeah, good point. And yeah. I don't even know where that came up with, but anyway, Glad I'm here working with you, and yeah. I respect your knowledge well, of thank what, you. what you bring to the table. I respect you too, dear. Well, thank you. So, <laughs> so tell me, how how do you respect me the most? Let's go deeper I into knew, this. I could have bet $100. Every that man that's tuned that. in right now is wanting the same thing from his significant other. And we just want to know. <laughs> anyway, we oh. let's go to gardening. Yeah. Women, women feel my pain. All right. So last week we talked about evergreen shrubs and yeah. how important they are to have those evergreens yeah. in your yard. This week we'll cover the trees. Okay, so perfect. The, the trees just, of winter. There it's time. Yeah, yeah, so definitely those evergreen trees that fill the space that you need in the wintertime in your yard. So I kind of divided it into sections. And I thought I'd start with pines. Okay. Because uh, right now we have some gorgeous Austrian pines yeah, in the yard. So if you're looking for a, a nice evergreen, get some good size to it. 30, 35 feet, yeah. 15, 20 feet wide. Um, fast grower, I would say of the pines, they're probably one of the fastest. Would you agree If not the fast, you can get a couple <clears throat> feet a year out of them. That's fast for any plant, right. but especially for evergreens. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. that's the Austrian pine, also known as the... Austrian black pine. Black pine, yeah. Pinus negris. Right. Yeah. Oh, very good, dear. You showed black me Latin. Pine. Latin says pine. <laughs> Pinus is pine, negros is black. Yeah, black pine. Okay. There's also the Bosnian pine, which um, they're all kind of cousins of each other. Yeah. So a little bit shorter needle, not quite as big a tree. Right, yeah, half size. Uh, and it's maturity, but another really one that does well. And then my favorite, which is the Oregon green pine. Oh. And I love this one because it fits into those smaller yards. Um, gets maybe 15 feet tall, yeah. five to eight feet wide. It has a shorter needle to it than the Austrian, but it's very 
dense, yeah. very lush, Super and that green. green is just wow, yeah. that's green. So nice little tree for a lot of the yards around here. And all those you have in <clears> stock <throat> right now. So they're, mm -hmm. they're, of course, we're building up a lot like the Oregon green. Right. That makes a good Christmas tree. It's just so oh, perfectly sure. layered, shorter needle, dense. Mm -hmm. Just screams, you know, hug me. Of course, it's kind of pokey, but just, <laughs> well, it looks there, fuzzy. There is one you can hug. Okay. Uh, is the Vanderwolf pine. Oh, good. So we do have some lovely Vanderwolves and kind of a variegated needle on it. We always kind of call it the teddy bear tree because you do, you could go stroke it, hug it, and it's not going to poke on you. Yeah. Uh, so that's another It looks name. like it's it's a pine tree that went to the hair salon, <laughs> called it a hairdresser, <laughs> and got it got a do, came back yeah. and went, plant me it's yeah. it looks like that because you, you can't go buy it without touching it right. going, oh admiring it mm -hmm. it really is a pretty one um of course the spruce they do quite well in our area as well the colorado blue spruce is probably Classic. one that most people are familiar with um they have come out with the baby blue which really is a beautiful blue uh, for the the spruce it really keeps its color it has that real silvery blue um little smaller there again yeah. uh for compared to the colorado spruce but a really pretty tree i'm very impressed with how their uniformity and their size and their color it looks like a <clears throat> christmas tree mm -hmm. only it's got bright silver you put little christmas lights on that out in the yard or you know miniature lights beautiful. the thing is going to glow at night mm -hmm. it's so silvery blue and the needles are, are about the same length but there's more of them yeah. So it keeps, he has this perfect shape to it. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, Colorado spruce, it's a great tree. It's the fastest growing of all the spruce, but it's too big for most yards. Yeah, the is. baby blue eyes, the backer eyes, mm -hmm. some of these others, fat Albert spruce, mm -hmm. there's so much, they're uniform, they're, they're brighter colored yeah. and they don't get so doggone big. Easier in so, the landscape. Yeah. Definitely. And they're just as hardy as all the, as the native Colorado mm -hmm. spruce. Um, Black Hill spruce, yep. which is another nice uh, short needle green, uh, a little on the slower growing side. And then, of course, Alberta spruce, which is great if you're looking for a, a living tree or you like to decorate out in your yard. Yeah. They do tremendous in containers um, because they're so slow growing. They're easy to grow in a container. Yeah. You had some come in. They were the <clears> biggest <throat> oh, ones gorgeous. I've ever seen. They're taller yeah. than I am. Yeah. For an Alberta spruce, this is a, this, if you've got really green thumbs, it might grow three inches a year yeah. this thing is now <laughs> taller than i am think how old this tree is yeah it's like instantaneous mm -hmm. spe spectacle yeah. it's just beautiful to get them that size is unusual and they are beautiful yeah i would agree and only found at waters garden, at waters garden center. center yeah truly that's true <laughs> that's the case truly yeah right right so then we kind of went into the cypress um so we have the Blue Ice Arizona Cypress nice. does very well. Very pretty tree. We have one from uh, called Chaparral, which is a little more of a sagey green Arizona Cypress. Yeah. Uh, really nicely out there. We have Deodore Cedars and then Atlas Cedars. Uh, you which, should you explain Atlas because most people don't know what that is. <laughs> so it's, Well, the, the Atlas, I think there's a huge one down at the courthouse. Yes, the, it's the statehood yeah. tree down on the right downtown Prescott on the courthouse. Mm -hmm. That is the statehood tree. They planted two of them back in 1914, and now they're like towering above the elm trees. Yeah, I don't think people even really see them sometimes. They're so big. They're so big. <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> 
Um, but we also have those in a serpentine. So they've trained it to do like yeah. an S shape and then also weeping where it just kind of bends over and grows down. I love those. I think they're spectacular, yeah. uh, but nice silvery blue, um, just a really nice little layered tree. I think they're beautiful. Drought hardy is all mm -hmm. get out. And I'm sure that the original tree was brought <clears> by <throat> Conestoga Wagon from the East Coast, well, probably by 1914, by, by train from the East Coast. <laughs> they brought them in and, and they planted it there uh, yeah. and it just kept going. So, you know, Ooh. they're tough. Right. So, but but all, all this, the Arizona Cypress, that icy blue, the bright silver blue, so pretty. that is the prettiest native mm -hmm. you could plant out there yeah. that's so robust, that's this bright colored. Mm -hmm. So all those can be planted now. In fact, yep. this, you have your best selection of evergreens you can plant mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. It doesn't spring. We won't have this many evergreens that you can plant because it's time to put them in the ground. Mm -hmm. And so we've dedicated more space. We can get more of them this time of year. Right. Thank you, Lisa. We're out of time, just like that. Yeah. A list of 10 evergreens, and there we go. Ken and Lisa Lane, the Mountain Gardeners, and talking about evergreen trees. Be right back. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's Waters with two T's, GardenCenter.com. I grew up in the family business with my three sisters, and I've raised four of my own kids in the same garden center. Waters isn't just another business in town. This is part of our home, an extension of who we are. My family spends more time here than we do at home. It's basically an extension of our living room. We just have more friends over than most. My name is Lisa Waters Lane, and you'll feel welcomed, peaceful, and at home here at Waters Garden Center. 1815 Iron Springs Road, here in Prescott. Waters October companion plants that grow well together are Burning Bush, Arizona Creeper, Spicy Mums, Glamour Kale, and Prescott Blaze Maple. Prescott Blaze Maples have extreme growth of three feet or more each year. The fall color glows like embers in a blaze hot fire, thus the name. There's no better red maple to plant locally. Perfect for patios or any place shade is needed. And a big, bold tree is just $149. You'll find the best fall shade trees here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. So we were coming off of uh, the election cycle. And it just, you can feel this, oh, it's over with, finally. So I was writing this week's garden column going, what can I write that's not political? I never mention politics. In fact, I like both parties. I think they're like guardrails. If any one goes off the deep end, the other party kind of brings them back. It's kind of like a road, a curvy road. They just kind of keep you in line. So we need both. I'm, I'm not pro or con or either one. But optimism. What is optimism? The definition is hopefulness or confidence about the future or the successful outcome of something. So that how can I tie that into gardening? Well, the alternate, you know, the alternate garden definition to optimism is one who plants seed or young plants with the faith it will grow into something better. That gardeners have optimism, let me tell you. Plants naturally take optimism, hope, faith to believe in their potential, to see positive outcomes, to nurture your garden, I think is good for the soul. 
There is more, something satisfying to the sheer act of gardening. I, I've helped so many people through this COVID season that, that stepped into a garden center. They came to Waters, and I, I just witnessed. You can just see their their demeanor. gets. It's a healing power of a store full of, full of plants. So I, I, I like to think of Waters Garden Center as a center for optimism. That's sort of how I, I started out this week's garden column. Ultimately, it's on succulents. We got a whole shipment of funky, freaky succulents that came in. Some of them have warts. Some of them are baseball size. Some of them are blobs in it. They're just cute. I mean, you just look at them and go, whoa, that's a plant. God created that. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> I want one of those. So succulents are just kind of fun plants that you can have indoors. Many varieties can go outdoors too, but these were all indoor houseplant kind of things. I went, oh, this is so fun. I'll talk about those. And how could I set the stage? Optimism. I think you gardeners, if you're tuned into a garden, a garden program at the end, I mean, we're right before Thanksgiving and you're listening to garden program. That says something about you. You're, you're like a, you're a garden nerd or you just like the sound of my voice. I don't think it's that one. I think you're a garden nerd. And so there's some fun things that you can do. And I also think you're an optimist. You just go through life nurturing something that's beyond yourself going, I can make this grow. I can make a seed come up, a bulb emerging from the earth. Something magical about that. Something that's that's not so magical. The deer and, and rabbits have just, the poor things, they're eating things we've never seen them eat before. It's just they're, they're, they're starving. And they're going, well, I can't eat my normal grass that I like because it's all dried up. I think I'll go eat this Eliagnus or this Euonymus or you, the, the, this person's landscape. I'm going to try it because I'm just hungry. And so we're seeing a lot of that. I thought it was, I'd spend just a moment and just share a few plants that I, I know the animals will not eat especially the deer and javelina. And, and so I've got deer, I've got both. But rabbits seem to come into the backyard, which is fenced, but they come underneath and they come to the water. They come to the pond, the water features. They're, they're hydrating. And so if I put the wrong thing back there, they are going to just eat it to the ground. And so I won't go over the plants they'll eat. I'll go over the plants they don't eat. And I always start with the natives and the herbs. Herbal plants, things that smell uh, interesting. If you and I like the smell and the flavor, animals don't. There's something about fragrance. It's a defense that plants put into themselves going, if there's a fragrance, I'm going to make your stomach turn. I'm going to make you sick. You don't want to eat me. Keep moving and eat the next thing. This is a plant, the way they've developed and, and as natural defenses, rosemary has got this rosemary flavor to it. Now, we use it in the kitchen. But animals know if you smell that, stay away because you can't eat very much or it'll make you sick. Lavenders, the same way. Oregano, thyme. There's a whole series of plants. You could plant chives, onions. These are all plants. You could plant onions right now. They're beautiful. Uh, they're not going to bother those. Arugula. You go right. Most herbs have this potent fragrance that we use to flavor things or as potpourris or. Uh, but but animals know, nope, not, that's not good for me. Likewise, a lot of your natives have been trained. Now, native plants are, are growing wild 
out where these animals are naturally roaming around. So they already know. Oh, don't like don't like that one. Keep moving because I've seen that one. We're gonna keep moving on till we find something we want to devour. I'd rather go for that rose bush than eat this Eliagnus or silverberry. This is a native evergreen shrub. Gets about head high. Um, it, and, and wide, it's kind of big, bald, evergreen plant, and it's got a fragrance to it, and it's got a texture. The back of the leaf is very leathery. Uh, it's got a, even, it's got multiple defenses. The sap is bad, the leaf is very thick and rough, and the back of the leaf has a white, uh, like, like, a, like a fluffy, powdery thing that gets caught in your throat. If you eat that, you're kind of going, oh, ugh, that, that's terrible stuff. Ugh. Keep moving on. You need plants like that, that uh, animals will just, they just know this is not good. I tried this when I was a youngster and I don't like this. One that's unusual is Nandina or heavenly bamboo. This looks beautiful. It's a nice little evergreen, comes a couple different sizes. I just planted a whole bunch of, of Gulf Stream, G-U-L-F, G-U-L-F, Gulf Stream Nandina. Um, it's an evergreen shrub, gets up about hip high or so, maybe a little lower, nice ball-shaped thing, but it's beautifully lacy, soft, green leaves. Animals don't like that, and I think it's the sap. It's got an internal taste that, that just repels the animals. But likewise, snapdragons, it's a cute little, it's almost a perennial. It reseeds very nicely. It's like a wildflower, uh, but animals don't like that because of the sap. It's got a white milky sap to it that just goes, hey, listen, you know I'm going to make you sick if you try to eat this. Keep moving on. And and they do keep moving on. And so there's a whole series of plants, Mahonia or Oregon grape. That's another native variety. It just grows out there in the forest. And animals just know, oh, when you see this, I think it's the sap again. They don't like the taste. It's got a real thick, leathery leaf to it, so it's hard to digest. And then it tastes bad. That's a double whammy. It gets a cute little um, yellow flower in the spring that does really great. And then it puts on a little berry. The berry actually is edible, but the foliage and the rest of the plant is not. So animals just walk by it like it was nothing. They don't want it. Uh, so those, generally speaking, also your junipers. You notice we have natural juniper forest. And animals know, I don't like juniper. It's got a fragrance, and it's got a pokey texture to it that they just don't like. So they'll keep moving on. Arizona cypress, same way. They don't like that. So you can plant those right out there where deer are roaming around, and they will not munch on it. Now, let me get rid of the juniper myth as well. So junipers... They come in male and female form. Everyone goes, oh, I get allergies. Oh, my gosh. I can't plant a juniper. Yeah, you can. They're natural. They're native. They adapt really well. They're low water, low care. Animals don't eat them. Every yard needs at least two or three junipers. But you want the females, not the males. The males are the ones that put on the pollen. The males are the ones that cause all the issues. They have all the allergies. The females don't have pollen. They don't have allergies. They put on the berries to them. So when we're breeding, when we're growing junipers here at the garden center, we're looking for a grower that has a genetic, an exact copy of a female. So we don't have all the allergy issues. So it won't be a messy juniper. It'll be a clean, neat juniper, and it's not going to give you allergies. And quite honestly, if you have allergies to junipers, you're surrounded by juniper forests. There's no hope. I mean, 
a whole hillsides, the whole things are there's a dust covering every the entire city. It's filled with this with the males. They just want to pollinate everything. And so one little golden juniper that's knee high spreading out knee wide is not going to cause you any grief. That's not your problem. But they're so hardy. And deer, javelina, rabbits, everything leaves a juniper alone. They're just natural. They're great plants for the high altitude landscapes that we're dealing with here in northern Arizona. Got more in store for you, but gotta take a break. Be right back after this. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. You're in the area with your dream home on the inside, but surrounded by boring? A castle surrounded by rock is just so bland, but we can help. At Waters, we have a team of plant experts ready to dress up and decorate even the most boring of landscapes with something fresh, new, and evergreen. Plus, we deliver and plant for you. Designer plants with the experts to help you beautify your new abode. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Waters Garden Companion Plants for November are Camellia, Vanderwolf Pine, Flowering Pear, and English Ivy. English Ivy stays waxed green through winter forming a lush ground cover under large trees. Quickly climbs walls, pillars, arbors, and fences without support. Use English ivy to cascade over hanging baskets or tall planters with a perfectly shaped Alberta spruce in the middle. Shop exciting evergreen vines in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. One bit of advice I can give you. Here's some things that I'm doing in my own yard. Uh, here, I live in Prescott, so up above the high school in the heart of town. And some things that I'm doing in my yard, I'm trying to clean up things as the asters have been in full color, full bloom. They're starting to fade. I just trim them back because they're kind of that dead thing coming up in the middle of the garden. It doesn't look so good. So I take the head shears and trim them back. Uh, Another thing that I'm doing is I'm strategically planning what I'm going to add to my landscape, uh, to my gardens next spring. So uh, manures, I'm thinking manure, mulch, compost, topsoils. Um, if you need to add some some extra soil to freshen up your soil next spring, and, and all of us should, if you're growing vegetables, if you've got container gardens, you've got raised beds, you need to add some fresh potting soil. Uh, at the very least, I, I top dress with some shredded bark. So I'm, I'm buying those now in my garden, and then I'm putting those, I'm going to store them on top of my irrigation box. I don't want those valves to freeze. And so uh, we make our own compost. We make our own topsoil. Make our, we've got our own recipe for potting soils. It's for, for local growing uh, in containers and raised beds. Um, I know I'm going to use some. I use a lot of it. And, and it's in a tan-colored bag, so it just blends right in. I put it with the logo down, so it's just a, just a brown bag. And I use it as a huge pillow to, to uh, keep the cold out of my irrigation boxes. And I've got one two, three, four of them. So from the backyard to the front yard, yes, I have a lot of plants. I have a lot of valves. I've got a lot of, if it's, if it's, if it could possibly freeze, I put a bag over it. And that's one bit of advice I can give to you. Um, that, 
And if you're on a well, these folks, I'm talking about those out in the county, you're, you've got your own, own well out there. Um, I would say now is the time to power up that insulation tape, the heat tapes, to make sure the, the well house is buttoned up because we're going to get cold. Uh, I, I've plugged in my heat lamp and, and heat tapes on mine. So it just had been unplugged all, all season. All of a sudden, it looks like this next week. It could get cold. And no, your well house is not going to freeze with one event. As it gets colder and it starts to permeate, then it does. But I want to be prepared. I want to be ready. I don't want to have to think about it and go, oh, oh my gosh, it's going to be 21 tonight. Uh, I should, yeah, I should do this. So I just get it done, get it out of the way. So some things to really watch. And then I planted some of my violas and pansies, kales, last week. It is so fun. They've already like 25% larger. I mean, they're noticeably larger. They just went, oh, the weather's so great. Whoop. And they just plump right up. You do want to get that colored stuff in the ground. You want to plant those while you still have some warm soil. And, and frost does not matter to those things. Even, even snow, uh, freezes, it, they like that. Uh, but you want you want to get them in so the while the soil is warm, so they got time to root out and fill in. So they're more glorious. They have more bulk. They're more vigor to them, and they're more impressive. Now, if you wait until the middle of November, Thanksgiving, now all of a sudden the the, the soil starts to cool down, and they won't die, but they won't grow that much either. So, um, what I'm hoping for your gardens this week. So this cold front coming through obliterates your summer blooming plants. So you've got to make the hard call going, either I pull these dead things out because this cold will take them. And I have to decide, do I want to plant some more? Do I want some winter blooming things? Or do I just want to clean it up and look at empty pots or empty soil for the rest of the winter? So don't wait. Don't wait till it gets too too cold to plant those things. They'll do fine. But it's better to to go for it early. Ken and Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners, we hang out throughout the week here at Waters Garden Center, and we love talking to fans of the show. Hi, Lisa with the Plants of the Week and our Austrian Pine. We have instantaneous trees just in and ready for fall planting. This pine has the same long needles as our Ponderosa Pine without all the problems, and these trees are really big and bold. This is the fastest growing at the Pines, and lots of sizes to choose from, but the $249 model is exceptionally big. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. For people who love big, bold pines, they love to shop. Waters October companion plants that grow well together are Burning Bush, Arizona Creeper, Spicy Mums, Glamour Kale, and Prescott Blaze Maple. Prescott Blaze Maples have extreme growth of three feet or more each year. The fall color glows like embers in a blaze hot fire. Thus the name. There's no better red maple to plant locally. Perfect for patios or any place shade is needed. And a big bold tree is just $149. You'll find the best fall shade trees here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.